and welcome to this week's edition of Good Vibes Only, a wholesome newscast that brings together the week's good news to hopefully bring some good vibes to your day. Each week, I'll highlight some positive news from around the world, highlight some incredible work by local organizations, share some wholesome media recommendations, read some positive news sent in by you, and hopefully brighten your day and remind you that things are not entirely terrible. The links to the original articles, organizations, and other sources will be in the description. With that being said, let's hop into this week's news. A Ukrainian cat cafe is staying open to care for its 20 feline residents. The Cat Café Lviv in Ukraine is exactly what it states, a cafe where people can enjoy a meal while relaxing and playing with cats. It's a huge source of stress relief for many in the community and has been open for six years. They continue to remain open during the Russian invasion. Sergei Olenik told the Dodo that the cats have been in the cafe since they were four months old and have become like a family to him. So, despite the uncertainty, Olenik wants to keep the cafe as a safe space for people to stop by and even feel just a little bit of solace. The cafe also has a room in the basement so that there is a safe shelter for guests and cats in case of an air raid warning. The cafe has of course seen less visitors than normal, but there have been people coming in from other cities for food and solace as well. The cafe has come to mean a lot not only for Olenek and his family, but also the guests who come to relax and the cats who are always happy to receive all their love and attention. To learn more about the Cat Cafe and receive updates on them, you can go to facebook.com slash that's L-V-I-V, where you can also find out how to support them. A Gunu woman from New South Wales in Australia is set to become the country's first indigenous female surgeon. Rachel Farrelly, who grew up in a remote part of Central West, New South Wales, stated that being raised in an Aboriginal community inspired her to want to make a positive contribution to the health inequality in New South Wales. The Royal Australasian College of Surgeons notes that there are four operating surgeons in Australia that identify as Indigenous, and another eight trainees in the pipeline, with all of them being men. It is estimated that there are 3,500 patients for every non-Indigenous surgeon and roughly 200,000 patients for every Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander surgeon. Farrelly spoke about how difficult the process was and that there were times that she wanted to quit, sometimes even working up to 60 to 80 hours per week during junior doctor training. When she began medical school, there was only one Indigenous surgeon in Australia, and so she did not have many role models to look up to but her desire to make a difference in her community empowered her through. Now, medical programs and colleges are hoping to encourage more women and Indigenous people to enter the medical field, with Indigenous surgical pathway groups being set up to ensure that people are properly supported. The chair of the Royal College hopes to address both the gender gap and workplace inequities that Aboriginal people face, noting the better health outcomes that are experienced when the people providing health care represent the community. Airbnb has pledged to set up free housing for up to 100,000 Ukrainian refugees. Airbnb.org, which is the nonprofit leg of Airbnb, is preparing to offer housing of up to 14 days for up to 100,000 refugees fleeing Ukraine on the heels of the United Nations Refugee Agency's warning that Europe may soon be dealing with the continent's largest refugee crisis of the century. The organization works with nonprofits to help book and coordinate stays for refugees in tandem with other support services. 
Nearly 700,000 refugees have fled Ukraine to neighboring countries, uprooting their lives for safety in the wake of the Russian invasion. While Airbnb is facilitating short-term housing, they are also working with governments in various countries such as Germany, Poland, and Romania to support refugees' specific needs, including longer-term stays. This is not the first time Airbnb has offered such support. They have offered temporary housing for people displaced by Hurricane Sandy in 2012, and a couple of weeks ago, Airbnb.org surpassed its goal of providing temporary housing for 20,000 Afghan refugees. To learn more about Airbnb.org and donate, you can go to Airbnb.org slash get involved. A nonprofit in Palestine is working to empower young Palestinians through skateboarding. The nonprofit SkatePal has been active since 2013, working across villages and cities in Palestine's West Bank. SkatePal was started by Charlie Davis, who was based in Edinburgh and went to Palestine in 2006 to teach English. His skating after class attracted the attention of Palestinian youth and, inspired by the NGO Skatistan, which works internationally and uses skateboarding and education to empower children, Davis went back home to study Arabic as part of his degree and bring such a program to Palestine. He began with a summer camp, and SkatePal has since gone on to build some of the area's first and finest skate parks and ramps, while also providing equipment and more summer camps to take part of as a community. Davis spoke about how community skateboarding can transpose boundaries and political situations to foster community and build self-confidence, which has a positive effect on both mental and physical health. SkatePal is currently based in both London and Ramallah, with the hopes of one day handing over the entirety of the UK operations to local Palestinian skaters to continue to nurture the scene. The local manager of SkatePal is a man named Aram, who is one of the skaters that Davis met in the beginning. Because obtaining land in occupied cities can be difficult, building concrete parks in Palestine means a lot towards having a place to hang out and be in community with one another. And for those who volunteer and work locally with SkatePal in Palestine, it offers something positive to focus on in uncertain times. In 2020, protesters around the world banded together for Black Lives Matter protests. Many brought signs and posters that were handwritten and hand-drawn, and in Washington, D.C., these signs were attached to the White House fence. One activist, Nadine Saylor, is working to preserve these forms of art and pieces of history. For the past two years, the 56-year-old activist has loaded her car with posters and banners to scan and digitize them. At least 600 items have already been digitized, and preserving these posters, which capture the feelings and things people were thinking at the time, is a part of recording history. Normally, these items tend to be used for the march itself and then are discarded or left along fences or the street. That is precisely why she wants to preserve as much of it as possible, to ensure that history remembers their voices and captures the tumultuous emotions felt during that time, but also the acts of solidarity. When the digitization is done, Siller plans to donate the collection to different associations and museums. Two local youth theater productions in San Diego are celebrating inclusivity in different ways. Patio Playhouse Youth Theater is performing 12 Angry Jurors, featuring non-binary and gender non-conforming cast members, while Mariah Performing Arts is presenting a Disney musical featuring actors on the autism spectrum. 12 Angry Jurors is an adaptation of the 1954 teleplay 12 Angry Men. At the time of 12 Angry Men's production, women were not allowed to serve on juries in the U.S., and this more recent version from the late 1990s has non-gender-specific requirements. 
Emerson McMurtry is directing the play, and they said that the gender non-conforming actors who have auditioned have told them that it has felt like a safe space for them. McMurtry wanted to draw in kids who haven't been able to perform under the pronouns they prefer, and they hope to direct more shows that do not have gender-specific roles. Mariah Performing Arts' performance will be a musical show of Disney's Descendants, a musical based on the Disney Channel films about the children of famous Disney film characters. Two of the cast members are siblings AJ and Eddie Gange, who are 12 and 13. Eddie was diagnosed with autism when he was three, and he has not been able to share in his brother's love of theater until now. Another boy in the cast, Julian Pesquiera, is also on the spectrum. The play will be the company's first large-scale youth theater production. Through shows with more diverse and inclusive casts, the world of theater is hoping to become a more open space for anyone with a love of theater and performing to have a place, regardless of background or identity. Thousands of donated books helped a Gaza bookshop reopen its doors. On May 8, 2021, Samir Mansour was at home when he saw that the Israeli army was about to bomb the five-story building that housed the bookshop that he'd been running for 21 years. Though he rushed to try and salvage some of the important items, he did not go in for fear of being trapped inside, and all he could do was watch. The bookshop contained around 100,000 books, with the financial losses estimated at $700,000. When two human rights lawyers saw photos of the debris, they launched an international fundraising campaign to rebuild it. The two lawyers, Mavish Ruxana and Clive Stafford-Smith, wanted to not just simply replace the books, but to do it in a way that was the epitome of culture and education, which is a staple of many bookstores. The bookshop received around 150,000 books from donors, and just last month, the new Samir Mansour bookshop opened with more than 300,000 books and with three floors. Mansour told Al Jazeera that the bookstore is now much stronger than it was before, stating that the success of its rebuilding was a testament to the good in humanity. And now for this week's Organizational Spotlight, where I'll highlight a local organization somewhere in the world and talk about the work they've done and are doing. The Association Concerning Sexual Violence Against Women is an NGO that works to raise awareness of sexual violence and provide advocacy services and support for sexual assault survivors. They are based in Hong Kong and have been active since 1997. Rain Lily is their Sexual Violence Crisis Center, active since 2000 as Hong Kong's first sexual violence crisis center. They receive more than 2,000 requests for assistance and provide support for over 250 survivors each year. It is a free crisis center that also provides advocacy services for navigating the legal system and hospital services like the forensic examination. They also offer counseling services both individual and group and have a 24-hour intervention service for urgent care. The organization as a whole has also penned reports on the experiences of gender-based violence for ethnic minorities in Hong Kong to promote equitable services for all. To learn more about them, you can go to rainlily.org.hk, and for the English website, you can add slash ENG home to it. For this week's media recommendation, I made it three weeks without suggesting a Studio Ghibli film, so kudos to me. But this week, I would like to highlight Only Yesterday, a Ghibli film that released in 1991. 
When it was released, it was actually a genre that was not really explored as much in animation because it was more so for adults, not for any ratings reasons, but because it was ultimately about a 27-year-old woman working in the city who decides to go to this area in the rural countryside to help with the harvest and also to escape from city life. So it goes back and forth between her memories as a child there and her present day as an adult, and maybe because I'm the same age as her that it hits so much closer to home. But it brings so much nostalgia to just see the main character reflecting on her childhood and the crushes and the classroom adventures and antics and even just things that we used to be embarrassed about as children. And then at present, her reminiscing on all of that and finding joy in the present. So it's a really beautiful film that I highly recommend. And to close this out, for our last segment, where I'll read off some great news or encouragement sent in by you all, because sometimes there are things that happen in our lives and in our communities that don't make it to the news but are still wholesome and beautiful all the same. That being said, I will go ahead and read this week's story. I've been really stressed lately with work, and I tend to get in my own head when this happens. Last weekend, I went to visit my parents, and honestly, I'd been so busy that I forgot that they just got a new puppy to deal with empty nest syndrome. I'd only seen the dog once, and she is the fluffiest and sweetest thing ever. And so I went to their house, and the dog was so excited. I mean, she was jumping around as soon as I walked into the door and showered me with so much love, and I instantly began to think that maybe I should get a dog. Because no matter how terrible my day was, at least I can come home and the dog will always be happy to see me as if I'd been away for 20 years rather than a few hours. Anyway, I just thought it was cute even if she was nearly bigger than I am now so her jumping is like her becoming eye level with me. So thank you for sharing that and I completely agree dogs really are the best. I remember when I was an undergrad, they had puppy areas where you could relax with puppies and they were actually pretty energetic, um, but that sort of made things better, at least for me, because they were just so thrilled and just happy to be there. Um, and I definitely hope to adopt a dog one day as well. So thank you again for sharing and for allowing me to read that. That's all we have this week, though I have only scratched the surface of the amazing work being done in communities and the little bits of joy that we have in our everyday lives. Thank you so much for listening. I hope that this week brings you love, laughter, joy, and all the other wonderful things that life has to offer. If you have good news to share, whether it's you or your local community, feel free to email me at wholesomenewscast at gmail.com or Instagram at wholesomenewscast. And if you want to support, the link to my Ko-Fi is in the description. Thanks again, and I'll see you next week.